Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to the Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to part two or three covering Midwest ASAS highlights. For this episode, we're going to visit with Jim Smith with Kent Nutrition. Jim has a little different approach or perspective on research and how that applies to the producers as he works with them on a regular basis. So stay tuned. Well, hello, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Casey. Would you mind introducing yourself for the audience? Sure. My name's Jim Smith. I'm a Senior Technical Swine Nutritionist for Kent Nutrition Group, and in that role, I serve as a liaison between our research and marketing and product development and the dealers and customers that feed Kent and Blue Seal feeds uh, from Maine to South Dakota. I live in Northeast Indiana. I received my undergrad at, at Purdue and my master's and PhD from Kansas State, and I've been in the industry since May of 1998. Wow, that's awesome. This week was probably to us the biggest swine nutrition meeting of the year for the U.S. swine um, industry. And kind of walk us through your thoughts of what you heard this week and, and I mean, what benefits the, in the research and stuff that would help producers today. It's interesting that a year, it marks the one year anniversary of the industry kind of being shut down. Because the, the last main event that I went to was Midwest Animal Science a year ago. And I don't think any of us thought when we left Omaha on, what was that, March 5th last year, that we were going to endure what we endured. <laughs> so oh, I know. Uh, Welcome yeah. to the new normal, as everybody wants to call it. Totally, totally. You described it right. Midwest Animal Science is the, it's kind of the World Pork Expo of the pig science world. And if it's really a nice place to get uh, latest research and, and reacquaint yourselves with friends and uh, colleagues in the swine industry. But it, with it being virtual, I think I actually got to watch more presentations because I could watch them at my leisure. The, I was going to say, I think I watched the most presentations ever at a Midwest Animal Science. Yeah, because it's really nice to click on the 12-minute presentation and you knew it was going to be 12 minutes and you didn't have to hike all the way around to the other side. So I, I, I agree with you. I probably watched more and I could probably possibly pay attention more, but also had the distractions of my desk too. So, But, but, but it, it was nice you could stop those presentations and and look at the slides. So maybe we got more out of some of the presentations. Yeah. And download the slides. If you oh, didn't totally. Know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty excited about that. I'm like, cause a lot of times I can't even take good notes and at least uh, from that standpoint, I can go back anytime now. What I liked and which I can apply to some producers was the, the live sessions and you could concentrate on the live sessions and not worry about missing abstract you wanted to see and in fact yesterday i went back and looked at some uh, some other some abstract presentation so i, I kind of started th the three highlights for me first was the gary ali symposium and just mm. the review of, of his research and and his life in animal science the next one was the statistical symposium from yesterday yeah and then uh the discussion around the microbiome the, the Gary Ali was just that review and kind of, it's kind of a nice 
review of where we've been over the last 40, 50 years in animal science and, and pig feeding. The statistical symposia, I think, raised a lot of good questions. Is one of the things that I am challenged with, and I've talked about this with consulting nutritionists and consulting agronomists, is we would gladly implement technology to a customer that it would work half the time and know that we're going to get a specific or an expected return. So say we introduce a new enzyme, it's going to work half the time and you're going to get $2 a pig. Like, okay, on average, I'm going to get a dollar pig back. Makes sense. I think we should implement that. But if we put that into an academic situation and, and test it, well, it's going to fail because it doesn't pass the P value of 0.05. So I'm, I'm always trying to balance the good statistical science with practicality. And so that's why, where I look at a lot of these presentations with the mind of, okay, it wasn't statistical, but is it practical? And it's a tough place for us to be in because you, on one hand, we're taught to be scientists and the statistics say this. And the other hand is, I know what it would do in the field. Well, I loved hearing that perspective because I've been pushing that for a long time on both sides of the fence. You know, great response, but it doesn't pay, right? Mm-hmm. You get the p-value. I can design a trial and get you the p-value. Give me enough pigs. Give me enough budget. I'll get you enough trials. That shows significance. But on the other hand, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out, like you said, that may not have the right p-value, but it's worth a lot of money. And I'm glad we're open to talking about that today. Yes. And, and the other theme that around the microbiome, I think it was the immunologist from Iowa State. that in, The USDA? Uh, yeah. The, Maxwell's uh, lectureship? Yep. That was a good session. But I remember back to when we were first doing the antibiotic resist or uh, antibiotic free replacement. And I think we failed as an industry because we would put product a against mechadox mm-hmm. and then it would fail like well Every we can't time, use right? product a yeah because <laughs> mechadox worked especially if you had pigs that had dysentery <laughs> like oh yeah well we that's know. why it's labeled for dysentery <laughs> yeah well we don't we're not looking at it at, at, from a holistic approach and i liked her presentation where she talked about that it's not going to be a one size fits all it's going to be this product with this product with this product and oh it's going to work together as a system to replace the response that we get from antibiotics because of the cool stuff that antibiotics do. And I think we've lost a lot of potential products because we went, we designed the trials poorly to look against antibiotics in this case. And then we put it up against the P value of 0.05. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think she made a good point the problem with the microbiome is the the cost and the time to analyze that and then even our understanding of it. But I really liked how she talked about if we can narrow the scope of these analytical tests, we can get results faster and cheaper by just looking at certain either bacteria with the certain genes that we're after. And I thought that was really cool because if we can do that, reduce the cost and turnaround time. I think we'll make great headway on what I'm going to call manipulating the microbiome for a better pig. Can you imagine walking through a barn of gilts and doing an ELISA test on their stool and using that as a selection measure? Uh, well, I, I got to be cautious, Jim. I, I can imagine it. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, we we were considering on developing some of that in my past career lifetime, but ultimately, yeah, that's what we need to do. The pregnancy test for poop. There you go. Yeah. We we made the pregnancy test at AB Vista for feed for phytase and xylanase. I think eventually maybe we can get there for, for the microbiome. Mm -hmm. And like you said, her presentation, can we, bring that down to certain markers and do a test for that. And we're, we're doing it flat level instead of theoretical. We have to do it with an HPLC or a gas chromatograph or. And bar graphs that I don't even understand that you can't even (laughs) read when they present it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just a, I'm just a pig farmer. (laughs) We would like to take this break to thank our sponsors. The Sunswine Group, Nutrisign, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress. Without their support, this adventure would not be possible. So now back to our episode. I think some of the notes, either in that symposium or in other talks that I listened to around microbiome and the opportunity is, I've always said, it starts with a sow. And so many people forget that. Maybe, you know, to advance that antibiotic replacement, like you said, a lot of things fail, but I think she made a great point is we need the prime, the sow's microbiome and, and maybe not the piglets. Mm-hmm. Well, how many trials have we seen where we tried to transfer the microbiome from a different sow to a piglet and it doesn't work? No, I mean, yeah, the best pigs do the best if they're raised on their own mom. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty evident by, by some of that work. Oh. And I spent a lot of hours in the lab, everybody looking at immune system and passive immunity. <laughs> it's not just easy to say, yep, just do it this way. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other presentation that I liked, and this is, might sound simple, but I enjoyed George Fahey's fiber discussion yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just because it was a review of fiber and put it in a pig nutritionist perspective. I mean, we're still talking crude fiber with my customers. And so I, I appreciated it just kind of as a refresher course of how to think about non-structural polysaccharides and ADF and NDF and how that all works together. So I joked with my beef nutritionist that I'm out for his job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a backwards cow is the pig as we call it. The biggest thing, and I said some of the questions on there, if crude fiber is not right, why do we still analyze it. And here's the problem, everybody out there and the regulatory group needs to get on board is that we have to legally label our feeds on crude fiber. Um, That's a state federal requirement. And that's because back in the day to make cheaper diets, people would add really cheap high fiber feedstuffs to diets and reduce the cost. Animals would perform bad and, you know, alter the tags. And so that was you know, the historical reason why we, we look at crude fiber. And a lot of people on the science side forget practicality that I have to have crude fiber on my feed tag for regulation. So ultimately, I think that's one hurdle we need to come over is, all right, regulatory body, we need to move beyond crude fiber and maybe have NDF, ADF, like the ruminants do on their tags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One would think that would be a simple thing to change. Uh <laughs> Really, Jim? You can't see my tongue in cheek. Yeah, I can't see you on video. Sorry. 
This is an audio recording, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Simple. Well, I, I think the, the crude fiber discussion is easily illustrated when you look at the way people feed show pigs, and they always talk about adding oat groats to get fiber. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't read the tag. It, it, that's not a fiber response. That's a the starch response to this, the carbohydrate response. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we talk about it as fiber. Right. Well, no, it's. It's not exactly fiber, but yeah. And I think that's just a reminder. And since this is kind of a global conversation, you go to Europe and their diets are full of fiber in their pig diets and they do very well. They try to bring those diets here in the U.S. I've fought with this in the past with uh, European genetic companies. And we just don't have that type of fiber. It's not just about having fiber in the diet. It's like what type of fiber and Mm -hmm. beet pulp is not as readily available in the U S for swine diets because we can't beat out the cattle guys for it. But, and then, you know, different government subsidies, it's just not as readily available as it used to be. So yeah, it's just not fiber. Everybody put fiber in is not going to solve everything. It's what type of fiber. And and I think, so that was a nice discussion to yeah. remind us that it's not just fiber. And I think that even the discussion of how to get some of these feed additives, as I talked about, more consistent. You got to understand what your feedstuffs are and, and the tag requirements for regulatory is not adequate anymore. And it's the debate I still have with my father on, even on crude protein. And I'm like, dad, it's not crude protein. It's, it's lysine. And now I can't even... We can't even legally, you know, label total lysine because I'm not, you know, that's what we have to label on our tags too, but it's SID lysine. And then now it's not just SID lysine, it's the ratios and all this. And it's uh, interesting how nutrition's really evolved. Oh, especially when you consider the trade area that I cover from essentially Maine to South Dakota, look at the difference in soybean meal between what I'm feeding in South Dakota and what I'm feeding in Ohio. It's not soybean meal. So I guess the takeaway on that, if I'm hearing you kind of discuss it in in my conversation, in my mind for a producer level is really formulate your diets based on your feedstuffs. I think would be a good takeaway of what we learned this week. Mm -hmm. Maybe then also explore your microbiome of your system. Yep. So know what you're feeding and know how the animal's going to use what you're feeding. If dollars outweighs a P value, that's okay. Totally. Now I've always heard this conversation of, you know, what value do we have to have? And is to what other markers are you looking at for value? Because a lot of times nobody reports even mortality. We're getting better at that, but injectable medications, things like that. Where do you pull all that value out for producers when they're trying to evaluate different feed additives? Well, it, it partially depends on the producer. Right. Uh, and and the, the, I'll illustrate this. I had offered an alternative feeding program to a large producer that saved them two bucks a pig. Mm-hmm. And his question was, well, should I do it? I my response was your your competitor down the road did it for a dime and you're questioning to do it for two bucks well in his mind that two dollars was weighed against the logistics of using that in his system a new bin 
uh, have to have another truck to go haul to a different plant. So he, he in his mind, $2 was not enough. Whereas the other one was a dime. I'll take a dime. Mm-hmm. So we have to distill it out with what your producer is. So it's and how sophisticated the producer is to be able to understand. I think that we have some colleagues that utilize discussions on the value of a product and they try and find every single dime in it. We think about some of the veterinary proposals that we see. Well, you, you get this much savings and morbidity in this and you're trying to find every single dime and pretty soon it comes, you can get to your dollar, but is it all smoke and mirrors? So I try and distill it down as simple as I can. Usually it's feed conversion and return over feed costs is the simplest. And if we do see improvements in mortality or morbidity, we kind of consider that gravy in my typical producer, mm-hmm. more, more sophisticated ones that have, they, they're using meta farms religiously. We can pull that out and distill that down to, to get the return more precisely, but you have to read your customer. And if, if he's not going to understand PO, the nuances of an intricate analysis, then don't waste your time. Right. Any other last minute thoughts from Midwest Animal Science for the listeners? It's a great meeting. I hope that we have some sort of hybrid in the, in the future where we can have access to presentations like we do this year. Mm -hmm. I think that would be good for the scientific community. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Open access, share knowledge. That's what the real P3 is about. So I appreciate your time today and great thoughts and some very similar thoughts that we shared. It was a good conversation, Casey. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to part two or three of our highlights for Midwest ASAS meetings this year. Before we go, please visit our website if you haven't had a chance to sign up for our newsletter, therealp3.com. And thank you to our sponsors, the Sunswine Group. NutriSign, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress. And if you get a chance, hug a pig today for me 